This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up. So we made it our name and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, every December 23rd, former Raider linebacker Phil Villapiano gets a call from former Steelers running back Franco Harris. The question, what were you doing on this day X years ago? I'm guessing it's the 50th year Villapiano has gotten this phone call. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. It's Tuesday night. I got some papers. I'm prepared. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals, and it's cool if you already know this stuff, but please listen. Anyway, congratulations to you, by the way. But there's always someone who does not know this stuff, right? This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history, and so we're here to do three things. Enlighten, teach, and learn. Yes, it is the Behind the Mic podcast. Welcome in. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports. Also, we're a part of the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Go to bellyupsports.com. Click on that website. Read the articles. Check out the merch. And especially listen to all these shows. Mainly this one. Uh, You can catch us on the home base of Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all your favorites. Amazon Music, if you use that, as well as Stitch, excuse me, that's Stitcher, Stitcher, <laughs> iHeartRadio, and also everybody's favorite, YouTube for the visual people. All right, so I'm not going to waste any time. Let's go ahead and get right to it. The Week 15 Rundown, Thursday Night Football, TNF, and Amazon, you're doing a lot better, and this game was actually shaping up to be one that was good, but... 49ers at Seahawks, it wasn't as close as it looked on paper, all right? The 49ers, they won the NFC West, first time since, what, 2019, and uh, Brock Purdy, he's playing pretty well, period. There was no Debo Samuel, he had the rest of those guys, 
that was still around. IU, you know, he did okay. Um, but it really didn't matter. Christian McCaffrey had 100 yards, you know, rushing, had a pretty good day, especially fantasy-wise. We'll get to that later. Um, and the defense was dominant as always. Best defense in the league. Can't blame. That's why, by the way, I can't blame Geno Smith for having that so-so game for Seattle. They shut down the run game. They forced my guy, Gino, to throw 44 times. And he had, what, 31 completions, I believe it was. You know, a little over 200-some yards. Usually short completions. That's all they gave him. And that won't get you very far. Um, gets that defense. And Seattle, they're going to need some help. They are now 7-7. Seven and seven. We had Saturday football. And head coach Jeff Saturday and his team, the Colts, visiting the Vikings. They tried winning on Sunday. Mm. Didn't work. No. Monday. No. Well, let's try Saturday. You're up 33 to nothing. No problem. Right? And I'm guessing I'm going back to Teddy Bruschi, who was on Sunday night, excuse me, Sunday NFL countdown. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm maybe kind of quoting him. They only down. You only have to score about, what, five touchdowns? No problem, Vikings. You can do this, right? Well, here are the numbers before. The Vikings coming into Saturday. 9-0 in one-score games. Kirk Cousins, six game-winning drives, the most in the NFL. Also, Vikings kicker Greg Joseph, six game-winning field goals in his career, three this season alone. These were the Saints. They got a taste of that as well as did the Commanders and the Bills. And the numbers after, the Vikings are now 10-0 in one-score games. Kirk Cousins has seven game-winning drives. Uh, the most in the NFL, by the way. And Greg Joseph now has six game-winning field goals in his career. Well, make that seven game-winning field goals in his career for this season. And it was the largest comeback in NFL history, regular season or postseason. And what sucks is that Matt Ryan was a part of two of those. And you know what's even crazier? The fact that they fired the head coach that engineered the record that was set against the uh, Houston Oilers. They was at home, you know, the whole game. They was at home. They were down 32 points, and uh, Frank Wright comes in, and, you know, not only did he have the greatest comeback in NFL history at the time, but he also had the greatest, the, the largest comeback in college football history, playing for, uh, playing for, what was it, Maryland, and they came back against Boston College. So, I mean, hey, one more fact. The two, the teams are now... Uh, two and 103 when they trail by 20 points or more at halftime. All right, that's this is just across the board over the past couple of seasons. Two and 103. Guess who has those two wins? Yeah, you like that, Kirk Cousins. Ravens at Browns. Yeah, their Raven offense looks completely different without Lamar Jackson, doesn't it? So, I mean, the detractors out there. You know, they may not like it, but that's what the Ravens' offense is with Lamar. Productive, right? His his uh, detractors, his guys, who do, the, the guys and guys who don't believe in him as a quarterback, he, he's good. He's a good quarterback, and they are productive, and they win, okay? But not this week. Not this week. Cade York, not the only one missing field goals on Saturday. The GOAT himself, Justin Tucker, he missed one and had another one blocked. Not a very good, uh, you know, not, not a very good game for him. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he got his first W as a starter in Cleveland. Although it was, wasn't was the most impressive day for the Browns and their offense, a win is a win is a win. And then the Nat capped the uh, primetime game, Dolphins at Bills. 
the snow just missed them, right? I pray that it just misses Nashville as well. Not snow, but ice that we're supposed to be getting. The last time the Bills and the Dolphins played, Buffalo offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey was pitching a hissy fit in the booth because they ran out of time and lost. So, Miami going into that game 0-8 in games below 40 degrees. Make that 0-9. The Bills and the Dolphins, you know, they play a pretty entertaining game in the cold. And by the way, I mean, it was back and forth. Um, and uh, what, what are you going to do? Tua and those guys, they actually played really well. Raheem Mostert was running that football. Uh, going back to the fantasy thing, because fantasy makes you really pay attention to stats. And you can't forget them. And uh, me and one of my little bros, who we'll get to again at the end of this segment, we were talking about Raheem Mostert. Uh, yeah, I had him too. And I put him on the bench or I let him go. And then the guy promptly has 100 yards. You know, he had a pretty nice day fantasy-wise. You know, go figure. But anyway, Buffalo got the game-winning Tyler Bass field goal in the closing seconds. And Ken Dorsey didn't have to tear up the office, the, uh, you know, the booth this week. Sunday, Falcons at the Saints. First of all, I had no idea David Johnson, former Texan, and before that, former Arizona Cardinal, who was at one time the most paid running back in the league, the highest paid running back in the league. I had no idea that he was even in the league still. First time he find out is when he gets a carry and he fumbles for Atlanta. Hmm. For those who need to catch up, Marcus Mariota, he was the starter. He was benched during the bye week, and he opted for season-ending knee surgery. So head coach Falcons, head coach Arthur Smith, wanted that quote-unquote spark. And we'll now be going with the third-round dra uh, draft choice, Desmond Ritter, who from Cincinnati, the rookie. I wanted him in Pittsburgh, by the way. But, uh, I mean, I'm happy with what I got. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I got. And it was not that pretty on Sunday, considering – it was his first NFL game, his regular season debut. Uh, and, uh, I mean, look, we can't judge him off of just one game. That was his first game. Nobody has the book on him, and he definitely needs to, you know, get more reps <laughs> with the first team. But the Saints, they took care of business anyway, holding off Atlanta 21-18. Steelers at the Panthers. I did not expect the Steelers to win this game because of that hot streak that the Panthers have been on. You know, Steve Wilkes has those boys ready. But at one point, Pittsburgh had a 21-point uh, play, 91-yard drive, 21 plays. I've never seen that before. And the offense actually puts some points on the board. All right, congratulations. Um, but the defense actually showed up pretty well on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take it. Nice win, 24-16. Eagles at the Bears. Did you see that run by Justin Fields? I mean, he stepped out of the bounds on that run. It, the guy just keeps doing this over and over and over again. Now we need to get that Jalen Hurts, you know, throwing. We need to get that together. Wow. But Fields is now the third quarterback in NFL history that eclipses the 1,000-yard mark. Of course, the other two are Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. But the evil Eagles defense, the evil, the Eagles defense was actually getting a little taste of their own medicine at one point. They were. And, you know, they were delving out on the offenses. You know, through Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been doing that to people all year long, and he promptly turns it around, and he runs for three touchdowns. Passing-wise, he wasn't as great. Um, and speaking of which, he threw uh, through the first 13 games of the season, he only had three picks, and he threw two in the first half alone. But the good news is that the Eagles got their franchise tying 13th win of the season. Bad news is that 
hurts hurts his throwing shoulder and uh he may be done for the the rest of the regular season possibly they're monitoring it and Gardner Minshew go ahead and um strap it up let's go let's see what you got even though you know Philly they got the number one seed I believe they they'll have that number one seed you know locked up so they shouldn't have to worry they'll get an extra week for him to rest that throwing arm I I think they're going to win the Super Bowl that's my pick that is my pick if it's not them it's definitely the Buffalo Bills but if that shoulder is not right yeah definitely still go go with Buffalo Lions at the Jets how about those Lions if you play them, you better want to tape up your ankles real good because they're getting bit left and right. And this week, it was the New York Jets' turn. Uh, Detroit is now 6-1 and one in their last seven games. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're trying to get into the playoffs. They are uh, in the hunt. That's what they call it. Robert Salah doesn't use any timeouts on the final drive. And of course, Detroit gets that game-winning 51-yard touchdown catch and run, you know, with a minute 49 left to go in the game. Uh... The Jets, they get a drive, they get a chance, 58-yard field goal. Greg Zerline, he misses, and it's a ball game. So, I mean, look at those lines, man. Look at those lines. I'm proud of them. Cowboys at Jaguars. So we were at this place called the Crow's Nest. Um, uh, It's more of like a sports bar, you know, than just going out to eat after Sunday, you know, for dinner. But it's just TVs everywhere and, and, um, you know, pool tables and all the whole bit. And uh, there, I've never seen a Jaguars fan, you know, outside of the Titan Stadium before. Never. And there was one, I, I almost want to say two, but there was one guy. And uh, yeah, at the end of the game, he's going, Duval! <laughs> I'm like, wow. But I'll keep saying this. Uh, it's not, it wasn't exactly Dak Prescott's fault, but from one of my buddies, Carlos, I'll call you out. You know, give you the credit, credit as we the old folks say. Um, one of my Cowboys fans from his own lips said that Dak has tried. He tried to force the ball, and it comes off the hands. And the next thing you know, it's a pick six ball game in overtime. Game is over. The defense does not look anywhere like San Francisco. They're just not playing very well as a unit. I mean, I, I respect Diggs, you know, as a corner, but their best player, you know, outside of Diggs, obviously, their best player on that team is Micah Parsons. But they don't play well as a unit right now. They're not playing well as a unit right now. And offensively, they have you got to stop the turnovers, man. They, they have to. They have to fix it. And Prescott has got to stop throwing the ball to the wrong team. Two picks in that game. Chiefs at the Texans. There was a time where you could depend on Chiefs kicker Harrison Bucker. He's been hurt this year. Inconsistent. I mean, he's missing not only field goals, but extra points. And other than that, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs, they won the AFC West for the seventh consecutive year. I don't think anybody's done that before. I really don't know that for a fact, but I believe that really hasn't been done before uh, outside of, oh, the Patriots. You know, but um, there, there's some things yeah, they're going to have to fix before they are able to even think about getting back to the Super Bowl. Very inconsistent on offense, up and down and up and down. They have Kelsey and, uh, you know, and, and of course Mahomes who running the whole show, but they have to be telling McKinnon, thank you. And this dude has been a really big surprise offensive threat for this team. And for some reason, fantasy-wise, I keep leaning him on the bench. I, I, now, I could have had a fantasy football upset have I not left those 34 points on the bench. 
that's my fault. Wow, my golly. The Texans, they continue to scare people, even though they're, you know, they're going to have the first pick. They got one win and one tie and a bunch of L's in the middle. Uh, but they're going to pick first in this year's draft. I don't necessarily want to say it's going to be Bryce Young, but it's probably going to be Bryce Young. Uh, they could surprise and pick somebody else. Um, you know, <coughs> CJ Stroud. But I mean, you, you just never know. But uh, the actually the good the good thing is that they show some fight. And that shows the next coach, whoever they might be. That's if uh, my man doesn't make it. But uh, they, there's some fight left in this squad, period, point blank. I kind of hope Louisville Smith keeps the job, though. Um, you know, that that would be good. He needs a quarterback. I mean, they've been in a, some of these games, man. Some of these games have been very close, and they've been challenging teams home and away. But anyway, uh, as far as the late window is concerned, Patriots at the Raiders. What else am I supposed to say? You're tired of 24. Did you see Bill Belichick on that last play? When Jacoby Myers decides to throw that ball back to his quarterback who's telling him, get down, get down, get down. You just I've never seen Belichick drop to his knees. That I mean, he didn't drop all the way to his knees, but he just kind of you know, collapsed <laughs> before standing right back up. The New England Patriots, they allowed 13 points in 32 seconds, you know, with 32 seconds left to go in the game. Of all the people to end the game, of course, Chandler Jones, the former Patriot with the backwards pass fumble recovery for the game with a touchdown. It's a tight game. You, you don't expect the Belichick team to do that. that period. <laughs> Just, boy, he was so hot. And I seen him standing there waiting to hug McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. Uh, and, uh, you know, he just wanted to get the quick handshake out of there so he can get get out of town you know he's ready to go boy he probably went home just cussing and throwing stuff Ooh, we <laughs> just as soon as he shut down shut his office doors god son of a <laughs> i mean my guy had to go plum nuts i would have i would have I mean, the patriots are smarter than that right Bill belichick he knows he teaches them better than that. We know they're taught that. He came in, Belichick did 11 and 11 against his former assistants. And Josh McDaniels, he made that to uh, 11 and 12. Cardinals at the Broncos, not going to lie, I didn't pay a lot of attention to this one, but I'll summarize it like this. No Russell Wilson, no Kyler Murray. Uh, and if they played, and if Russ was actually playing really well, that would have been a great game to watch instead. You got Mark Rippon's uh, nephew, Brett Rippon. Uh, starting in Wilson's place. You also had Colt McCoy on the other side, starting in place of Murray. McCoy gets hurt. And then you got Penn State product, Trace McSorley. Used to love watching that dude in college. But uh, Rippin, he leads the Broncos to that win on Sunday. And uh, what was it, 24 to 16, something like that. Uh, he had an okay day, 21 of 26, 190 yards at, uh, what, well, 100, 197 yards, a touchdown, a pick. But it was Latavius Murray running for that buck 30 that really put them over the top. So they got a good win. And there you go. Ties at the Chargers. I didn't know, first of all, just the first note that I wrote while I was watching the game, I didn't know the Titans led the league in three and outs. I don't know if they still do, but they came in leading in three and outs. Wonder why. Sunday, they actually had some fight, though. I mean, a team that can't really throw the football very well, which is one of the reasons they go three and out all the time. In the running game, being expected through Derrick Henry, and I thought Ryan Tannehill's ankle got broke. You know, 
They doped him up something heavy because he came back in like nothing was wrong. So they shot him up real good. Um, but they lost the game anyway. But Titans fans, you have to give them some kind of credit for going to San Diego, a better team than you. Not, you know, they're not as healthy on defense, but a better team than you. And y'all play well. The defense plays well. Um, I'm, I don't know where they are rankings-wise. I ain't looked. I haven't taken the time to look. But the game's tied at 14. They they drove. They tied the game at 14. And then Digger the kicker kicks a field goal as time expires. I mean, it hurts. But <laughs> you're still in the division lead. Well, boy, you better watch out for them Jaguars. Uh, Bengals at the Bucks, Man, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, in spite of blowing a 17-point lead, all the crappy things that they did to give up that lead, including four turnovers, two interceptions from Brady, this team, the Bucks, is still in first place in the NFC South. You can't make this stuff up. Congrats to Joe Burrow. You threw your four touchdowns in the second half, but they're winning and playing well when you're supposed to in Cincinnati. Sunday night football, Giants at Commanders. This game almost put me to sleep at one point, but I'm not saying that the game was bad. I think I was just tired, especially in the second half. And that's when Saquon Barkley was putting the game away. Yeah, that was pass interference against uh, you know the cornerback who was covering Curtis Samuel. No doubt. Those flags don't always get thrown. I know, Commanders fans, it sucks. Give Taylor Heineke another shot. The Giants are, what, 8-5-1, trying to get into the playoffs. And the Commanders are now 7-6-1. Very tough division. Monday Night Football, Rams at Packers. I'm not making this one about the game at all. It's about me and my fancy implications. Just to get the game out of the way, the Packers have to win out to make the playoffs. They beat the Rams uh, for, for what, step one of four. Now they have to do, they got to beat the Dolphins, Vikings, and Lions. Good luck. Now to the important part. I had Rams tight end Tyler Higby, and my little brother, my, my friend, I was playing against had Rams linebacker Ernest Jones, the block Dickens. Simply put, I was down by six points, and at one point, you know, and yes, we're talking points, all right. So I'm like, okay, I just need Higby to catch one more pass because at one point, he scores the touchdown, right? And I'm up by one. I think the score was like 160 point whatever to 159 point whatever. And on that last drive, I mean, Higby had caught another pass, and this is in uh, the Yahoo League, and we have defensive players and everything, as you can see. Um, Higby finished with 11.70, 11.7 points, right? And on that last drive, his linebacker makes two tackles on that last drive. All I needed was for the Rams to force a field goal or a punt or what. They picked the fourth down up, and I gave up. I had to because there was nothing else to do. They ran the clock out. I lost 161.7 to 161. You can't make this stuff up. You, you, you just can't. That, that one hurt. I was number one overall in our league. I scored the most points in our league. I was one game from the championship and potentially winning almost 900 bucks. And I lost by 0.7 points. Got to go Belichick. <sighs> anyway, coming up next, Friday will be the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, or what Raiders fans and former players will always refer to as the Immaculate Deception. Whatever side you're on, it is a day 
that will live forever in NFL history. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So just to get on the historical side of the Pittsburgh franchise, going all the way back to 1969, all right? So the Pittsburgh Steelers, they hired Chuck Knoll. He's, what, 37 years old, rookie head coach. And uh, they draft Joe Green um, as well as L.C. Greenwood. And that year, the Pittsburgh Steelers finished 1-13, all right? So you got a team that is, you know, he's told these guys, when he came in, look, you're not very good, and that's basically because y'all got some players on this team that just aren't very good, and I'm going to have to get rid of most of you. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just point blank, period. There, there was no no fluff at all. The guy was about as direct and, and honest as he possibly could be. That team finished 1-3. 1970, they bring in Bradshaw and Mel Blunt and uh, – Ron Shanklin, who was a pretty decent receiver for him for a little while. That year, they finished 5-9. and nine. Improvement. 1971, they improved by another game. They bring in, they draft Frank Lewis. Also, Jack Ham, Dwight White, Ernie Holmes, and also drafted Larry Brown, who started off as a tight end and actually caught a touchdown pass in uh, the first Super Bowl they won, the Super Bowl nine. Uh, in 1974 and then uh, they also draft Mike Webster you know that late round I think he was like 11th or 12th round pick something like that um and they finished six and eight all right so in those three years that 69 70 71 they go from last in the division to third and to second in 1971 but no playoffs you have to understand that the Pittsburgh Steelers were a squad that were just always they were just bad. I mean, they didn't always have a bunch losing seasons. They had it wasn't just all losing seasons. They had a couple, but 1947 was the last time that they even saw postseason action like that. And they had never won a playoff game, never, never, ever, ever, ever. And the team was always on the cusp. This is a squad that had players such as Lynn Dawson and. Uh, Johnny Unitas come through there. That's because the coaches didn't believe that they were going to be good enough. Lynn Dawson, they cut him short after he played a little bit. And then, uh, you know, for Unitas, he just apparently he wasn't good enough either. And they let him walk. And these two turn out to be pro football Hall of Famers. But never fear. You got you drafted very well. You got a whole new thing that's about to happen. 
and you're about to become the team of the 70s. But before that happened, 1972 was the magical year. They drafted who would turn out to be the rookie of the year. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Franco Harris. Now, Franco Harris came from out of Penn State. He was the fullback, the blocking back for one Lydell Mitchell. Lydell Mitchell um, was one of those Heisman guys, you know, that was, you know, towards the top of college football. And that's the one that everybody coveted, but not Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh actually was even looking at Robert Newhouse. I heard that, uh, no, not heard, but I read that Chuck Noll wanted Robert Newhouse. And uh, which, you know, if you remember, he ended up being with the Cowboys, uh, a fullback that was a power guy or whatnot, and uh, played in the backfield alongside alongside a Tony Dorsett. But uh, they, they didn't draft Robert Newhouse because the Roonies wanted Franco. And for whatever reason, just as the book tells me, it says that, hey, you know, I feel like Penn State, in the same state, <laughs> Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania State feels like they're um, – it feels like their their training ground. Their, their well, what do you call it in baseball? What do they call it in baseball? Like their farm team, their farm system. They go through, <laughs> they go through Penn State and pick all their players or whatever. But I mean, I mean, I think they got what Jack Ham from out of there. But Franco Harris turned out to be one of those 13th overall out of Penn State. They also later on they draft got Joe Gillen. Now they finished the regular season 11 and three. They won the AFC Central for the first time. Okay, now, like I said, they ended up being in the playoffs for the first time since 1947, and that year they lost 21 to nothing to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and like I said, playoffs were not good for the Steelers, uh, and they never won a, a playoff game in their history. And just remember that it wasn't always playoff games. It was okay. So you had the two best teams that met uh, regular season wise from 1933 going forward and before that there were no uh, it was a regular season champion and that was it there was no championship game but eventually playoffs had been developed now on the other side you have the Oakland Raiders who was established in 1960 they had been far better in their short history since 1960 12 years they had 8 winning seasons 4 playoff appearances it wasn't just any playoffs they were in the conference championship four times, and including the Super Bowl appearance. 1969, they uh, ended up hiring from in-house John Madden, who took over for John Roush, who ended up with Buffalo after he was excused. And of course, that Super Bowl appearance, uh, 
along with those playoff appearances, they were especially hurtful for the Raiders. If you're a Raiders fan, you know this well. If you're not, well, I've talked about this before. If you listen to the show and follow it regularly, look, 1967, they lost to the Super Bowl champion in the Super Bowl. They lost to the Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers, all right, in Super Bowl II. 68, they lost to the eventual champs, the New York Jets. 69, yes, the eventual champs, Kansas City Chiefs, and yeah, one more time in 1970, the Baltimore Colts. They, they were the best team without a title. The best team without a title. 71, they missed the playoffs. They were 8-4-2, no playoffs. Two years uh, you know, after they hired John Madden in his third season, no playoffs. They were second in the AFC West. But in 72, they bounced back. They're back on top of the AFC West. They went 10-3-1. And, and uh, I mean, there you go. And this squad was, uh, I guess you could say they were pretty loaded. A lot of those players, you know, some eventual Hall of Famers. Some of them were just good players, all right? But for the most part, you had guys like Cliff Branch, John Vela, Dave Dalby, Skip Thomas, Daryl and Monica. That year, he started 13 of 14 games. Pro bowlers like Marv Herbert, who ran for 1,100 yards that year. Fred Miletnikoff, I think he was an all-pro. Willie Brown, Raymond Chester, you know, tight end. Uh, and half the offensive line made the Pro Bowl. You know who they are. Jim Otto, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, and the defense that featured Phil Villapiano at linebacker, Jake, Jack Tatum, you know, Otis Sistrunk, and George Atkinson. So, uh, yeah, my, my voice. Oh, I'm going to throw this in there. Did y'all hear the, the crack? I, I guess that was it this week or last week. Yeah, it was this week when, he, when they played against uh, the Colts and you heard his voice crack said, huh? I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there. That was funny. But um, Oakland and Pittsburgh played in the opening week, first, week one, and Oakland lost that game at Pittsburgh at Three Rivers Stadium, 34-28. The Pittsburgh Steelers got the win, and at one point they led 34-14. They stormed back, the Raiders did. But, you know, it was going to be a rematch in the playoffs. Their first ever regular season, excuse me, postseason meeting. And this, I think this really fired off the rivalry, this game. And um, just to throw a little story in there. So this game was going to be played on December 23rd. That was going to be <coughs> their first postseason meeting, right? And then they're in town in Pittsburgh. And this, this is from, you know, you had Oakland tight end Bob Moore and linebacker Greg Slaw. This is from the, the book that I read. It's called Badasses. Um, a very good book, you know, with a lot of background on the Oakland Raiders of the 1970s. It was written by an Oakland, Oakland Homer, by the way. Um, but it, it, this is a great story. I had no idea about. So this was on a Friday night because the game was on Saturday night. Okay, it was going to be on Saturday. They had just went to the to the movies. Uh, I don't even know what the movie. I've never heard of the movie before that. It was called Across 110th Street. Yofat Kato, uh, if you know that actor, you know, he was pretty, uh, or he was a Bond villain at one point, and he was in several movies. Matter of fact, do uh, you remember the first Alien movie? Yeah, he was the only black guy in the movie. So that's that's Yofat Kato. Uh, but uh, they were on their way after watching this, this movie, these two players were, uh, back to their team hotel, the downtown Hilton. Now, apparently, there were a lot of fans that were gassed up. They had already had gone to the hotel. They're outside of the hotel. John Madden is sitting in the, the lobby. So, And these two players, they're trying to get 
to the um they're talking about they was going to kidnap john madden and madden's sitting in in the lobby of, apparently and they're trying to get to their rooms they run into a riot cop okay and this is where the story really gets interesting is it's real simple you got a bunch of these ruckus fans who were probably drunk and it god knows what else and uh the cop is not allowing more or slot to go to their rooms and more basically said look he, he said look mother effer we're going to i'm going to my room and he tried to pretty much bogart and go around a cop and he got seven stitches nice stick to the head and riding the paddy wagon and he's in the uh in the back of the paddy wagon they i guess they peeped through the window hey we're taking your butt to jail and we're going to book you and he's like for what and he turns and looks at him and Moore is the one who gets hit and he's, he's the one who cuts the cut the cop out he's covered in blood because they opened his head up really good all right we're not going to take you to jail we're going to take you to the hospital he ends up going to get the seven stitches then they take him to jail and they're at the hospital i mean at the jail john madden is there the police chief and the mayor and they want to cut a deal say hey look if uh if you don't say anything about what happened, we'll let you go. And <laughs> more wasn't happening. He said, "Bleep, basically bleep you." You know, we're not doing that. So basically, they let him go for not. They said the the, the other agreement was, "Don't talk to the press." <laughs> and that's how I got swept under the carpet. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. The next day, he's trying to put his helmet on, and his face and head is all swollen up. And so they had to use somebody else's helmet. I can't remember the player. They had to take the padding out. And it was a player whose head was way bigger than his. And that's how I ended up having to play that day. But so you get to the actual game, the 1972 AFC Divisional Playoff game, Raiders at the Steelers. Well, uh, 42-degree day at Two Rivers Stadium, six-mile-per-hour wins. Pittsburgh comes into this game as a two-point favorite. So... During the course of the game, look, it's 3 nothing all the way through three quarters. Four quarters, Roy Jarella, kicker for Pittsburgh, kicks his second field goal. They're leading 6 to nothing. They've led the entire game. Daryl LaMonica, who is still the starter at this point, he's 6 of 18, 45 yards and two interceptions. And man says, look, you're done. You know, take a seat over here with me. Kenny, the snake stabler, you go ahead and get in here. Apparently, LaMonica wasn't exactly beloved by his teammates from what I read. But, I mean, the guy was getting the job done for the most part. But not today. He wasn't doing this today. And then Stabler, uh, the young young Stabler gets in. And basically, he ends up being the starter going forward, you know, from here on out. Uh, throughout a, a good part of the 70s during their great runs. The Oakland Raiders great runs. But... The other thing is, is that LaMonica actually is ill with the flu. So that probably wasn't helping him. Um, Stabler goes in. This is the fourth quarter. And Stabler, he's three for three on third down. And they need a play. And the guy drops back the pass. He takes off to his left. 30-yard touchdown run by Ken Stabler. Bad knee and all. How do you let him score a 30-yard touchdown run? Not Ken Stabler. So, you know... But but I mean he get he gets it done. They are up seven to six, and it's a minute and thirteen left to go in this game when the kickoff goes back to Pittsburgh. So Rooney, at that point, at after the kickoff, apparently he leaves the booth. He's already conceded the game. Art Rooney, the Steelers owner, leaves his seat, leaves his box seats. 
And he ends up going down to the locker room to greet and I guess address the team after the game. I mean, look, they had their first winning season and God knows when. And their first playoff game since 1947. And he's been the owner for that from at that even at that point in 47 and before that. So you I mean, he's seen it and it's like, look, here we go again. But um something else happened, as you well know. So Rooney leaves. Bradshaw, they get the ball with a minute 13 left to go in the game. First pass, he throws a quick screen to Franco Harris, nine yards. The next play, he throws a, and picks up a first down to John Frenchy Fuqua, the other running back. And then there's a timeout call. They got a first down. And there's 37 seconds left to go in the game. Bradshaw throws incomplete. Tatum breaks a pass up. And then he throws incomplete to Ron Shanklin. George Atkinson breaks that one up. 26 seconds left to go in the game. It's third down and 10. Tatum again breaks up another pass. And I think it was to the backup tight end, John McMackin. Uh, or he, I can't remember. if he was, I think he was the starter at the time. Excuse me. Fourth down and 10. 22 seconds left to go in the game. We already know what happens. They call the play 66 circle option. Franco Harris apparently goes, oh, no, not that play. So apparently this isn't a play. <laughs> that he likes i don't know how the other players feel but that's that's noted that is in the books he said oh no not that play and that that was going to be a pass over the middle to a rookie receiver barry pearson which pearson never even saw that ball at the snap so yeah we know what happens terry bradshaw he gets the snap my man is pearson is not open he gets a hard rush flushed out to his right almost gets sacked he double pumps, and then he throws the football over the middle to John Frenchy Fuqua, who gets hit at the same time the ball arrives by Jack Tatum. The ball ricochets like something fierce backwards. And some of the Raiders, you can see them on the field start to celebrate. But then they start taking off running because if you're looking at the film, the ball goes off screen. And apparently, Frank R. Harris, who was blocking on the play, said, okay, well, my, my, the guy I was blocking, and he's he's ran off to my right. Well, what do I do? And he's just kind of, you know, off to the side, to the left side of the field, and the ball comes to him. He catches the football inches from the ground and races 60 yards down the left sideline, being chased, at least for a little bit, by Phil Villapiano, and he goes in and scores a touchdown. But here's the key. And there's five seconds left to go in the game. And the Steelers are up 13 to 7. No one raises their hands. Touchdown. Nobody does that. Because they're trying to figure out what happened. That there were refs that were watching. Because there's a guy that's right behind the play. You can see it in photographs. He's looking. Yeah, he caught the football and he ran it. But they're trying to figure out what happened on the ricochet. So for 15 minutes. The game is delayed because, remember, the fans were going crazy. They start jumping down out of the stands. They think the game is over. And even on the NBC broadcast, you can see final in the bottom left hand of the screen. In the lower third, they put final Steelers, you know, 13, Raiders, 7. And it wasn't over yet because there was five seconds left to go. So then comes in Rule 7, Section 5. Article 2, item 1, which basically says 
No two offensive players can touch the football consecutively and then move basically run with the football. So if that ball touched Fuqua and then Franco Harris catches it, it can't be, it's going to be called an incomplete pass. Go back just really earlier in, actually, the, the January before in 1971. If there, there was a play in Super Bowl five when John Mackey catches a ball from Johnny Unitas over the middle and he scores what was then the longest touchdown uh, reception in Super Bowl history, a 75-yard play, touchdown catch. And I believe it was, oh man, it was either, I think it may have been Mel Renfro, Cowboys cornerback who got a hand on the ball. You could see the ball accelerate when he put his hands up. Even though Charlie Waters and and Renfro, who knows he touched the ball, they're jumping up and down, you know, trying to get the ref. Oh, I didn't touch it. He didn't touch it. You know, but he did. You know, the ball goes over the middle. It touches one of the Colt players, and then the ball spins even faster after you see it touch Renfro's hand, and it falls right over the middle in the hands of Mackey, who ran 75 yards for the touchdown. Same thing here. Now had. A Colt player touched the ball, and then Mackey touched it incomplete. Same thing with the Steelers play. So for 15 minutes, they are going over this thing. So the head head official, crew chief Fred Swing Swearinger, make sure I got his name right. So Swearingen, he goes to the dugout because remember Three Rivers Stadium doubles or doubled, excuse me, past tense. It doubled as the baseball field for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He goes to the dugout and he gets on the phone and who is he talking to? None other than our newly enshrined Pro Football Hall of Famer, Art McNally. He's talking to McNally. So you look at, you know, past videos. John Madden, who could not even talk about it, didn't want to be interviewed for what ended up being the, uh, the Immaculate Reception NFL Films um movie that they put out he didn't want to be interviewed but you can you can see he he was not buying that he was talking to anybody he had he's like no we had no idea who's who who they were talking to but they were talking to he was talking to art mcnally about the play and basically they confirmed that it was a touchdown they're looking down on the field and they got a vantage point that was better than some of the rest on there the headlinesman swing swearinger he did not see swearinger did not see the play because he comes to the huddle where they're surrounded by some Raiders and I think it was Atkinson that said he's like well he's like what happened because he didn't see it and that's and it's cool there's nothing wrong if he didn't see it you're supposed to ask and so that's why they went to the phone they confirmed it was a touchdown and the Raiders uh Madden has come out to the field say look you know what's going on with this and they did not buy it now one thing about the Raiders and I'm just going to be honest. Yes, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But even if I'm not, the Raiders, especially of the 70s, they just had this complex, man. It was us against the world. And you guys who may be listening, you probably believe that too. And it may be true. I mean, you got some guys who were doing some questionable things. And they told you that even well after the fact. The ones who still are alive today will tell you that we did some questionable things. But in the same breath, they will complain about how it was us against the world. That really was more so, to me, a product of Al Davis. Just saying. But I'm not on this thing to get on the Raiders uh, on their case. 
but the thing is is that you had all of these stories that were going back and forth yeah the ball touched the ground well Villapiano says that he and he was right there now the ball didn't touch the ground it was a great catch it was not a question of, of really if Franco Harris caught the football the question was did Fuqua take touch the football did the ball bounce off of him now quiet is kept uh if you watched that NFL films if you watch that NFL network premiere on the immaculate reception then supposedly Fuqua went to their locker room and said according to the Raiders he went there and said it touched me so well, we know that <laughs> well here's the thing there was no replay there was no replay uh, at, in, in that time there was no replay and I mean that's just one of those that they had to kind of suck up it re they really did it, it was um, I mean the aftermath of it you know you got the guy who actually ended up with the football um, oh man uh, it wasn't uh, the Michael Ord guy but the guy who ended up with the football actually bought a safe a bank safe to keep the football in he's one that <laughs> wow he said that ball is protected at all times but I mean you know the game ends after you know they confirmed it was a touchdown there was still five seconds left to go of the game Jarella kicks the football off uh, after um, you know they took a knee and uh, they throw one final pass. The, there was an interception that dropped, and and there was fans on the field. Now, the whole thing with the Raiders is that they did not want a riot if they took that touchdown off. Now, would that have been a riot? Probably. Probably. I mean, what would you do? But McNally says, you know what? Yeah. That, nah. That, nah. We wouldn't. That was the last thing on their minds. You know, we would have caught the game the way it was supposed to be called. That that's his words, not mine. His words, not mine. Now, I mean, the, the game ends, and of course, you know the Steelers move on to the AFC Championship game, where they ended up having to meet the undefeated seventy-two Dolphins. I think you know how that game ended. But as far as how did the play get the name Immaculate Reception? Well, a Steelers fan by the name of Michael Orr said that after the game, he and his girlfriend went to a bar to celebrate that W. And Ord was, you know, he's Catholic, and he ended up getting the idea. He, he does the, the the glass thing, ding, 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 and uh, he get, he climbs up on the table, says, and I quote, "I would like to, from this day on, refer to this day as the feast of the Immaculate Reception." He says that the, everybody in the bar they went wild, and his girlfriend Cheryl <clears throat> Cheryl Levisky, she actually gave Steelers play-by-play -play man Myron Cope a call. <clears throat> and uh, I'd like to make sure that I quote this. And this is from the book, The Ones Who Hit the Hardest. All right. This is written by Chad McMillan and Sean Coyne. So it says she wasn't the only one that believed that night on TV while doing the local sports cast. Cope said he got a call from a fan who was uh, Levesque, She uh, who told him a friend had named the play. Then Cope said the words on the air. It was, he said, the Immaculate Reception. Of course, you ask a Raiders fan, it was the Immaculate Deception. <laughs> it's like that. He did not catch that ball. He did catch it. But, I mean, look, what, what do I personally think? From what I saw, look, the way that the ball shot backwards, Tatum had to he He, he touched that ball just as much as Fuqua did. And if there is no visual evidence 
that you know no defi- you know how they say these days if there's no definitive you know visual evidence to say that you know the play could be overturned and remember there was no replay then you go with the call that was made it's just that simple just that simple yes the raiders will still be and always be of the 70s the greatest have the among us the, the greatest teams that it went without a championship and they ended up only thing that stopped them was the champion themselves so they was probably you know the greatest number two <laughs> i guess you can say that you, you can say that um pittsburgh in the aftermath they're going to play the afc championship game against the undefeated 72 dolphins for those who don't remember bob greasy they get what broken ankle during the regular season like a couple games in and don shula's old mvp from the baltimore colts of 68 was the starter for the majority of the season earl morrow and the steelers and dolphins they were tied with at seven and a half time and shula makes the switch uh to a now healthy greasy Pittsburgh actually had a brief 10-7 lead in that game. Could they have went Super Bowl seven? Maybe, but, you know, they ended up losing the game 21-17. I think the key play was a fake punt. Uh, their punter just, boy, that was a great fake. Uh, of course, the Dolphins, they repeated in 73, and the Steelers dynasty officially began those four championships in six years in 74. The Oakland Raiders, they weren't too shabby either for the next two seasons. No one won more games next to 10, 10, 10 seasons, all right? No one won more games than the Raiders, and they finally got over that championship hump in 76. They beat not only the Steelers in the AFC Championship game, but they put a thorough beat down on the Vikings in Super Bowl eleven in Pasadena, California. Very sweet for them. Oakland, they go on to win two more championships in the 80s after the Steelers dynasty started to fade. But just to put a bottle on, uh, to, to put a cap on this thing, not a bottle, every year on December 23rd, somewhere between 4.07 and 4.08 p.m., former Oakland Raiders linebacker Phil Villapiano, he gets a phone call, and it comes from uh, Franco Harris. And, you know, and this is another excerpt from my book, America's Game. Um, he said, what were you doing on this day, X years ago you know every year he does this and villa piano he says he'll call around 407 or 408 p.m because the game ran late and he's relentless with this phone call villa piano said and uh you know he also has said because there's a statue of the catch that franco made in the pittsburgh airport how i missed that when i took my son to college last year i do not know but it's been 50 years i'm wondering has he made 50 calls or at least 49 something like that but it's a day that will live forever in pro football history whether you believe the guy caught the ball or not or really if you believe whether you believe or not that fuqua touched the football or not and tatum didn't well i mean go figure it's still a piece of sports history a moment in sports history in NFL history that is among the tops all time that's it references thanks to ESPN.com ProFootballHallOfFame.com also ProFootballReference.com and also NFL Network The Immaculate Reception also History.com this written by Joe Smeltzer November 18, 2021 titled NFL's Greatest Play The Immaculate Reception and also three books 
The ones who hit the hardest, the Steelers and Cowboys, excuse me, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the 70s, and the fight for America's soul. Pretty good book, just now really getting into it. This one co-written by Chad Newman and Sean Coyne, and also Badasses, The Legend of Snake, Fu, Dr. Death, and John Madden's Oakland Raiders. This one by Raiders fan Peter Richmond. And finally, you know my favorite book, America's Game, The NFL at 100, co-written by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. Uh, this show, again, presented by Billy Sports. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. Billy Sports Podcast Network, BillyOSports.com. Check us out on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. Holidays are coming up. I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll have our final show next Tuesday, the final show of the year. And uh, we'll get ready for 2023. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.